Just some podcast media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Buried Pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any of these. I keep the mind. Likely be profanity and discussions on topics like that may require a little to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess, Pollyanna Amazing. I'm so happy to be here today with my really awesome and fantastic new friend, Natasha. She has written a book that I'm telling you guys, if you don't go run and grab a copy, then you're just crazy. It is entitled Shit Adults Never Taught Us. And the, from the first time I read this manuscript, I was giggling and laughing and thought this was the best thing that I could ever purchase for my own children. So I'm going to suggest that you do it for yours. But let me stop bragging for a moment, get to business. Remember, we are part of Just Some Podcast Media family, and we love the guys at Just Some Podcast for advanced practitioners and Nurse Papa. Love you, Nurse Papa. <laughs> so... Natasha, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and where you're from. What's going on? Hi, I'm Natasha Sattler, and I grew up in Maryland, and now I live in Los Angeles, and I wrote a little book. It's called Shit Adults Never Taught Us. It's 98 chapters, a little over 300 pages, just quick snapshots. It's four sections, career and money shit, relationship shit, mind shit, and life shit, and... Let's dive into some stuff. Let's talk about right? it. Right? That sounds like a lot of shit to talk about, but we're going so to get to it. So much shit. All the shit we never learned. Exactly. Exactly. And if, and if anybody out there listening is a fan of this show, you know that I'm all about communication and bringing together people that can help each other, help each other, which totally makes sense, right? So the one part about this book that made me giddy when I first like opened the email when you sent it was it says, well, hello, friends. Okay, to me, I'm already in because I love that. It makes my heart happy. Thank you for putting that in the book. Um, <laughs> I wanted it to be conversational. It was like 98 conversations I never got to have with friends. And the pandemic sort of opened a lot of doors of things that we had never opened before. It illuminated a lot of things that we don't know. And I decided just it's a lot of boring stuff or it's a lot of stuff nobody talks about. So if you get to talk about it with a friend, even better. I wrote it in a funny, humorous, conversational, relatable way because so many of these topics are things like we don't want to read about. It's so boring to talk about career and money. It's so hard to talk about relationships and mental health. Like if you can come at it talking to a friend, that's even better. Absolutely. And and throughout the book, you have some really creative little ideas about like the giving it a shot kind of thing, like little sections at the end of each um, of, of the chapters of, you know, like, hey, if you hadn't thought about this before, why don't you look at it this way? Or why don't you try this? Or, you know, it's a very practical way to, like you said, you were talking with friends about things that nobody ever told you about. And I know there's a small age difference between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> super small. Just super small. But I small. think the commonality is we both have ADD. And <laughs> True story. the reason I wrote that is I have such a hard time with like self-help, self-guide books mm -hmm. where I'll read it. I'll put it down and I'll be like, fantastic. I read it. I am perfectly fine and fixed. Thank you so much for helping me. And then I don't do anything about it. I don't change my life in any way. So I was like, okay. I really wrote it for me. I was like, mm -hmm. Natasha, 
you need some actionable items with a checklist, and they genuinely do have checkboxes at the end of about half of the chapters is a give it a fucking shot section, and it's got actionable checklist items of like, great, you read, fantastic, you made it through three or four pages, now you actually have to do something about it. Here are the things, and you just check them off, and you actually go and do them. That's the only way self-help actually helps you, is if you then take what you read and do it. Exactly, exactly. Actionable items are huge when it comes to changing behavior patterns. So the fact that you touch on that portion is, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thought. It's really awesome to read about things. And I, I particularly have a difficult time reading and retaining information. So I'm the kind of person that I kind of write notes whenever I'm reading so that I can make that information, you know, I can see it, touch it, sense it kind of. I feel the paper. It's just a weird, you know, tactile thing for me to be, to do. And, you know, just the fact that you, you thought you had the forethought to think, hey, I can't think about this like this. So I need to do it for other people who are similar to me. I I wrote the book in the way that I needed it written because I was overwhelmed by Google, the endless pages. And then you click on a link and it tells you something totally different than the link before it. Or it's so long. Like you see the little scroll bar just getting smaller and smaller and smaller as the page loads. And you're like, I have to read how much? (laughs) So I was overwhelmed by Google and then I was underwhelmed by the information that was out there. I don't want to pick up a whole book for every single topic I have to know. I just wanted it all in one spot. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that and I wrote it in the way that my brain works. I don't want to read a whole book about money. I don't want to read a whole book about relationships. I would rather it all be in one little manual for life. And each chapter is three to four pages ish, some are less, some, I think the most is like a four or five page chapter. So Mm -hmm. I wanted it all to be fast. I wanted it to be something you could pick up, put down. You don't have to read it all start to finish. I am the worst. I was a horrible student. I was the most distracted kid in school. I hated school. I have never been a huge fan of reading. And I wanted something where like, there's no guilt. If you pick up the book, put it down, don't finish it come back to it a year later, pick it up, read a chapter as you need it. Like that's how I needed it. I needed it to be a manual for life that like there isn't the guilt of, Oh, I got another book and I didn't finish it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Your chapters on career and money shit. The one thing that impressed me the most about that, you know, in, in all of it, I mean, there's some very practical information, but you actually, you know, outline some, the application, how to fill it out, how to do this, you know, how to do that. I think that that's a, a, the technical part is what gets people tripped up always is, you know, I can tell you right now, Hey, I, I know somebody who's hiring for this position, but if you've never filled out applications or maybe you filled out once, twice, or maybe you're, you know, somebody else helped you do one a while ago, it's really kind of a daunting, scary thing because you don't want to seem like you're, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like an idiot. Like you don't know what you're like the answer yeah. and, and you can't, you second guess yourself so much. So I think that, you know, just that, and you know, there's a section about expanding on your job or what you think, you know, like myself personally, I've been in nursing for so many years. I can't remember. But in that job, I have been able to reinvent who I am and what I do as many times as I've wanted to. It doesn't, one one set of skills can be turned into so many things. And you touched on that. What have you thought about that in your own life? Have you done that? Yeah, too? I get I get bored easily. And I need change in my life in order to feel like I'm progressing and growing. So there's a few parts that I touch on in the career and money shit that's about that specifically where investing and 401ks and all of that stuff we didn't learn about felt too big. It felt too for Wall Street and hedge fund managers and things that were like so far away from myself that I didn't even process it. It wasn't on my radar at all. Saying like get a job is too big. You can't just be like get a job. Oh cool, let me just run out to the store and pick one of those up. Like you can't do that. I needed actionable items of like have a resume. This is what a resume should look like. This is what to include. This is what not to include. Here's a picture of one that I like. It's a good example. Here are common resume mistakes. 
updated every six months to a year, even if you have a job, because if you find the perfect job and they're like, you can have it if you send me a resume right now and you're like, well, my resume is five years out of date. Let me go update it. You're not going to remember everything you've done at your job for the past five years. And then the idea of maybe I'm the only person that missed this, but I never got the how to ask for a raise conversation. Mm -hmm. I just thought if you were at a job for like a year or so, they just handed you a bucket of money and you just kept going. (laughs) And I always thought like you get a job and then you just do that job and nobody ever talked about expanding on it, growing on it, seeing where you can streamline something in a company or where you're at a job, but you see what a coworker is doing and that interests you and how to how to expand what you thought you wanted into really what you do want mm-hmm. and growing from it. And nobody talked to me about any of those things. So I was like, if I didn't hear about them, other people <laughs> probably haven't heard about them. So I'm going to tell everyone. And the book is, this is what I've done. This is my experience. These are my failures. This is where I fucked up. <laughs> Maybe you guys can learn from it. And that's what it's coming from. It's not, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, this is what worked for me. This is what I've learned. Maybe some of it applies to you. Right. And I, you know, being a mother, I can, I can really relate to the fact that I have, you know, I have an adult son and and now an adult daughter. She just turned 18. My whole (laughs) world. Anyway, (laughs) Um, I can relate to being the parent trying to say, hey, you should really look at it like this. You're coming at it from a friend's standpoint, not as a parent. Like, I've had these experiences and I want you to do this. I'm your mom. Listen to what I'm saying. You've done this in a conversational way. So it's not like you need to do this, 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 and this. And that's the only way you're going to be successful. Because I think sometimes when we're talking you know, to our parents or as a parent talking to a child, it makes it like, oh, it's kind of cringy. Sorry. Yeah, I have to tell like, it to you this way. Yeah. It's like they don't want to listen to the parent because mm-hmm. the parent is the stuff that's told them everything to this point. And they're like, oh, another lesson. My God, shut up. Right. Exactly. Like I've been that kid. And I guarantee you some of the stuff in this book, my parents did tell me I just wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. I bet teachers did too. Right. Or right. teachers thought parents were doing it and parents thought teachers were doing it. Like, right. I made this a conversation with a friend that you just haven't met and that's, and it's like funny. I made it very based in humor Mm -hmm. because I, they're boring topics in a lot of cases or they're things people don't talk about. So it should come at you from a friend. It should come at you from a person that's like using profanity and the title of the book right there is like, if it was on your kitchen table, you might pick it up because it says shit adult summer tatos. That's intriguing. Everybody likes to talk about shit. That's for sure. (laughs) Let's talk shit. Let's do it. Right. Because shit else happens. Right. So (laughs) I can do that all day long. Honestly, it's the, it's one of my favorite things. Profanity (laughs) in creative ways is, um, is, is a hallmark for me. I just love it. Um, I don't, I, I I really don't want to just focus on, you know, what topics you have, chapter by chapter. We're not going to do that today, guys. Go buy the book from her. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so much fun. But um, let's talk about, you know, as you are progressing, uh, becoming more of an adult, you're done college, you have jobs now, you have to think about mental health. And I know you have a section called Mind Shit in the book. what have you found that has worked for you when it comes to, let's say, anxieties, things that are causing you a lot of issue? Um, how how do you line that out in the book? How does that work? It comes up in a different way in in different aspects of my life. So anxieties as that's something everybody deals with, I think. And anxiety for me has happened in different ways since I was a kid. Um, it can come out as overthinking. It can come out as a sort of a paralyzing fear. It can come out in a catastrophic thinking and making rash decisions and so many different ways. What it really is, is finding ways to calm it in a truthful way that's 
that's acknowledging the emotion because I am somebody that doesn't like feeling bad emotions. I don't like feeling anger or sadness or any of those unpleasant things. And I will intellectualize myself out of a lot of things where I'm like, well, just don't feel that or like get over it. Or why do you even care about that? It won't matter in a week. So like just move on. And I'm somebody that hates feeling the feelings that I need to feel. Mm -hmm. So I will spin it into something positive that isn't actually positive. And then I'm just like this (laughs) tornado of destruction that nobody wants to be around. So I think anxiety, if you just, trust it and you just sort of surrender to it that's the fastest way out of it there's no way to like skirt around it so it's finding ways to calm it it's finding ways to work through it Mm -hmm. and that's the only way to deal do you find that having a community that um kind of backs you up have you ever had any experience with that with community helping you with any of your issues yeah I think it's sort of necessary and that community can come in a million different ways right it doesn't have to be your family your friends your genuine community of neighbors or any of that it can be a therapist it can be somebody online who you've just connected with it can be a complete stranger I had one time I had the best conversation with a stranger in line at like Starbucks and I was like oh like cool, that actually changed my day. And like, I still think about conversations like that. And there's a genuine connection with human connection that is underrated today, Mm -hmm. where we think validation is coming to us through a phone from social media, from, I don't know, likes and notifications Mm -hmm. and clicks and texts. And if nobody's texted me all weekend, I start to think I'm being ignored and (laughs) everybody hates me and I've done something wrong or offensive. And that's not true. It's just people are busy. They get their lives. And knowing that the community is always there, it doesn't have to keep coming at you. It doesn't have to be a constant influx of texts and calls and notifications to validate the fact that you have a community behind you. Just knowing that you have support when you need it mm-hmm. is really all you need. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a constant flow, but that we, we've taught ourselves that it does because Instagram is telling you, oh, yeah. if you don't open the app to a new notification, nobody likes you. Right, right. I think that that has become such a, a mainstay, especially, I, I you know, I can equate that with my with my younger children, obviously, <laughs> um, Instagram and Facebook. Well, Facebook has jumped the sharks. My daughter tells me it's over. It's over, mom. Nobody it is. There. It's over. Over. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram is the new, well, it's not even, yeah, I think people are just exhausted by social media at this point because, you know, you can, you either have the most positive of positive things that are super unrealistic or you have these negatives, uh, you know, news uh stories that are coming at us constantly about how terrible the world is which it really isn't as terrible as as what they portray it to be or at least in my in my thought Um, well we just have this 24 7 news coming at us and Mm -hmm. it gets clicks it gets likes it gets advertising dollars so of course they're going to keep sending us these things and you click on one and then the algorithm tells you, oh, you know, she loves watching car crashes. So let's send her 10 more car crashes. And then you start to think everyone's car is blowing up. And now right. you don't know if it's safe to drive. And you're sort of paralyzed in the fear of ever getting in a car again. And that is what news does to us. It tells us that we can't leave our house because everything out there is on fire. Yeah. It's not. It's just. It's just coming at you in a different way. It it was always like that. And kids used to run around and play. And then we we started seeing that kids were getting kidnapped. So now kids oh, yeah. can't run around and play. Oh, and my gosh. No kidding. All no of that kidding. was the same. Unfortunately, like school shootings and things have amplified. But for the most part, in general, life is the same as it was. It's, the yeah. safety is the same. We just changed our, our news cycle. Right. It's, it's not... For an hour at night. Yeah. Perspective. I, I talk about perspective quite frequently because, again, I, I I love the fact that I live in the Pacific Northwest, okay? I absolutely, I use this <laughs> this uh, quite a, a lot. I have the most beautiful drive north in the morning sometimes. And on the side of the road at a certain point, 
the whole entire highway opens up and there's this beautiful water and the Cascade Mountains and the sun is behind them and it's just shining. It's beautiful. Okay. It's one of the most amazing things to see birds fly across that water, but okay. Also that water is like a water filtration plant. Okay. So it's not yeah. exactly the cleanest of water, but I don't think <laughs> of it as that. But a lot of people, when you say, oh my gosh, when I see that in the morning, I just think it's gorgeous. Well, gross. It's like a poop pond. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. But have you seen it in the morning at six 30? It's beautiful, right? Ew. What's wrong with you? It's like, that's, it, it's gross. Is it though? Because it makes me so happy to drive to work in the morning to see that it's perspective. We can have a a different perspective on things and, you know, nobody's right or wrong or, or, you know, you don't have to make it like that. But I just know that when I see that, it makes my heart so happy. It makes that, that yucky drive to work that just a a little bit nicer. So I I really like that. Um, It's just, it's, it doesn't matter what it really is. It matters what you like and what you think it is. And that's all that, anything is that's all life is is you could have the exact same job as the guy sitting next to you and you might hate it and they might love it and that's just exactly what you're saying it's perspective that's 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 people like you're not going to be friends with everybody everybody's not going to be friends with you it's what is that saying like you're not everybody's cup of tea yeah of course we were talking earlier I drink coffee you drink tea it's just it's everybody has their own preferences and that's fine there's no judgment on that no none at all and it's all about bringing you know your taste in coffee and my taste in tea and maybe finding a little you know happy medium in there exactly there's no judgment for either of us I'm not going to be like well I can't talk to you because you don't drink coffee that's ridiculous (laughs) I have people that tell me that in the morning at work a lot That is so crazy. That's right. Um, But let's let's move on because there's another section in the book, the life shit, that it really, I really really love life shit because it has travel in it. Uh, I am a huge fan of travel, and I'm going to tell you from my perspective. When you know, growing up, I lived in Kentucky for the majority of my life, except for a small three year section that my my father moved us to Las Vegas. Okay. And, and that was a huge change from where no, I'm from. Right? You don't say. <laughs> We're talking about kids of other nationalities, uh, people of different religions, something that I had never encountered in all the years that I was on the planet until that time. <laughs> and so I remember as a child traveling back to Kentucky from Las Vegas on airplane back when people smoked and everybody dressed really, you know, people were dressed back in yeah, the early it was 80s. An event. Yeah, it was for it was fancy. It was super cool. And I never thought I was ever going to do it. So when I turned 40, this was the first time I ever traveled on my own. Like I took an entire month off. And I was working in an ER in Dublin, Ohio at the time. And I never, like, I just was so ecstatic to take this time off. I went to, we, I went to Mexico to Extapa for a few days. I took a trip with some friends that I worked with to Turks and Caicos, Providencial. I came out to Portland and saw another bunch of friends. My sweet friend, Shonda, I love you. Um, <laughs> but there was such a, like a feeling of, I felt like I could conquer the world because I could get on an airplane by myself. Now have, think about that as many times as you travel, there are people out there that there's, they have never gotten on an airplane. They've never been able to travel. Yeah. I was getting on these airplanes and being an adult woman and, you know, talk about imposter syndrome, right? I was like, <laughs> I'm a world traveler. I don't. Yeah. And I get, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with my luggage because I don't have anybody carry it for me. I usually have somebody. Right? I'm five feet tall. Nothing humbles you like trying to put something in an overhead bin when you're five feet tall. I don't feel like the most badass girl getting on a plane, like being like, I'm going abroad by myself. I'm going to go to Europe on my own. And then you get to the, the seat and you're like, excuse me, do you mind helping me put this up or, uh, sorry, can you just stand up? I got to get by you. Like nothing humbles you like that. But I love traveling alone for the fact that 
A, you get to do everything you wanted and you're mm-hmm. not beholden to anybody else's expectations. Okay. But also you get to just totally be by yourself and throw yourself out of the comfort mm-hmm. zone that you're mm-hmm. used to. And you're going to be lonely. Everybody's like, I don't know if I could travel alone. What if I feel lonely? Yeah. You will. It's an experience you've never had before. And if you travel out of the country in particular, uh-huh. you're going to feel there isn't you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel very uh, thrown into the wild. Mm-hmm. And that's good because you've yeah. probably felt really safe and really comforted. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have a awkward experience, a weird day. You might go see a friend or yeah. there's comfort in going home and sleeping in your own bed. But you learn so much about yourself and mm-hmm. the way that you're actually feeling and what you really want yeah. when you're away from everything. And if you bring people with you and you're just there to share an experience with somebody and look at the same stuff and take the same pictures, there's valid points in that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's amazing to have that vacation and unwind that way. But you don't learn as much about yourself as you would when you do it by yourself. Like, I've learned something about myself on every trip I've taken alone. And I don't think I would have learned these things otherwise. I don't think I would have learned them at the rate that I had. And I've grown so much that I think it so gives amazing. you that that um, sense of resilience that you can actually do these things on your own and I mean and it's not just for women also I'm, I'm sure there are men out there that are kind of like also afraid to travel do it travel travel often do go and places start small yeah. start small go drive yourself on a weekend go two, three hours away and somewhere that you've wanted to go, but, you know, so your friends haven't had time or don't have the money or you needed more time off to take a bigger trip and you only have two days, go, just do it by yourself. The first solo travel trip that I actually did was to Seattle and it was only over a weekend. And then I did Vancouver and I did a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And I did Utah and uh, then I went to the East Coast and then I was like, all right, I'm ready. And I did Europe. And I went to Morocco and I went all around Asia. I've been to, I think it's like five or six countries in Asia alone now. And I just, I just keep doing it. And it's like a little bit more, a little bit more. And then it's kind of like you get a taste and you just want to keep going. And that's definitely what's happened to me. But I, I'm addicted now. Like there's no way to go back. I can't, can't undo it once you know. Right. And I think the pandemic has really put such a kibosh on so many things, um, travel wise. You know, this was the year that I was going to take my daughter because she just turned 18. Mm. I was going to take her to, she wanted to go to a little European tour like Paris, London, Amsterdam, that sort of thing. And I was so ready for that. But, you know, we have to be realistic about things and being in healthcare. You know, her, her father's also in healthcare. So, we have to make decisions that are, are responsible. So we kind of put that off, but we will do it. We will eventually. <laughs> yeah. But being, you know, being cognizant of, of those sorts of things, I really want you to talk about prioritizing your wants, if you will. Yes. So we want a lot of things for humans. That's natural. We just want so much. And like, Like I could give you a primary example of I've wanted to buy a house for a long time, but I also want to travel and see the world. And those things are not always congruent. You can't always do those things at the same time. So I have to look at my life and where I really, truly in my gut want to see it going. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely to see the world before I'm physically unable to or before my life changes. Like We never know what tomorrow holds. Sure. I will always have the ability to live somewhere I may not own that property I might rent I might not live in Los Angeles anymore who knows what that will be Mm -hmm. but I don't know if I'll ever get to go to this place to this country like to see this landmark that land might might go away something might change and so prioritizing your wants is I tell a story about I had a friend who wanted to quit his job. He's moving in a few months and he wanted to quit his job. And I was like, okay, but aren't you moving? Like you'll quit in three or four months anyways. He's like, yeah, but I just can't do it for another day. And I'm like, okay, but don't you want to have some money for when you move? He's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, don't you want to get better furniture when you move and get a better place when you move? And don't you want to be able to 
to move in the way that you want? And he's like, yeah, but honestly, I just hate it here. And I'm like, okay, but shift your priorities. Instead of saying, I'll just quit any day. If something tips me over the edge, I'll just walk in and quit. Then you will. Then it's going to be the smallest little thing. If you've got that mindset, you're going to walk into work and one day somebody's going to look at you wrong and you're going to be like, that's it. And you just walk out. And if you shift your mindset of being like, I have three more months, this is the date, and you count them down, you've prioritized your future ahead of your present. And you're not compromising your present. You're still saying, this is a job that isn't right for me. But knowing that if you hold out for a few more months, that gets you to the want that you want more, which is your move, your house, whatever it is. I want experiences more than I want things. Mm -hmm. So if I'm able to prioritize the experiences that I want ahead of the things, it's not saying I'm not going to get these things. It's just saying that I have chosen at this moment to do the experience and know that the things will follow when the time is right or when the experience is no longer my priority. My priorities are going to shift as I get older or as life changes, but knowing in my gut what I actually want is helpful in prioritizing. There's never going to be a moment where you just want one thing and you're zeroed in on that one thing and that's all you want. Like you're always going to want several things. Right. Right. I just love that you're prioritizing talk. That in itself is 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 paramount, I think, for making life livable. As a Pollyanna, I am, you know, I am I'm tasked with this daunting thought of being sunshiny and happy all the time, every day, and making people feel good every day. Well, some days I just don't feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> not not at all. And so it's impossible. Who right. would feel amazing and bubbly and sunshine all the time? I mean, even I the try earth really doesn't hard. feel like sunshine and rainbows every day. But it's just that, just what you were saying, if you go ahead and say, I cannot do this one more day of my entire life, I will just, I, I can't. You're setting yourself up for failure immediately. And and we don't need to do that. But we, we are our worst enemies all of the time because we have that storyline running in the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, it's more about uh, recognizing when you're unhappy and knowing if you're truly unhappy or knowing if your unhappiness is momentary and coming from a certain situation. Right. Where if it's truly unhappy because of life circumstances and things that need to change, yeah. change it, but change it with a plan. Come at it from, okay, this is what I want, and here's how I want to get there in the most constructive way that won't shake off the kilter everything else in my life <laughs> that's going to damage what I want in the future. Know that Things can change and you can get happy again, but you don't need to blow up your life to do it. Right, right. Don't self-destruct everybody. Stay stay healthy, that's all. No. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to my favorite discussion, which is always relationships because I just... There I, it is. I'm such a communicator. I love relationships. Um, yeah, and we talk about all of them. I know. <laughs> friendships I and family and yeah. romantic well, and let's coworkers, start with, everything. You know, because in my line of work, I, as a nurse practitioner, things are pretty straightforward. You know, if you come to me, I'm going to talk to you about your issue, prescribe you something, and then move on. But when I'm teaching Tantra and that sort of thing, people are just like, oh, all you do is talk about sex stuff. No, no, no. I talk about pleasure and I, I talk about making sure that you are feeling pleasure just because you think sex is, is the whole thing part of, you know, the whole part of it is, is not the thing. So let's talk about relationships and communication with your family first. Let's, let's start with that. How, how would, how did you deal with that? Well, I think when we're kids, we're center stage of our parents' lives and yeah. We don't see all the things that go on behind the scenes. We don't see all the things behind the curtain. And when we grow up, we the curtain peels back a little bit. And we are slowly seeing our parents as people. Mm-hmm. That they're just humans. And humans make mistakes. And humans have faults. And they probably, hopefully, did their best. But their flaws and their past and their experiences all came to the table in raising you. And so everybody is going to have some sort of issue. Everybody is going to have the damage and the trauma from childhood that is natural. So finding ways to heal in a productive way and 
talking and redefining your relationship with your parents can be so hard. But I thought I redefined my relationship with my parents like the first time I cursed in front of them and the first time I said something and, you know, didn't give a shit. And that's definitely not it. <laughs> it's when you start seeing them as people and you start treating them as just people and recognizing that it's okay for them not to know everything because we don't know everything. Like, right. I don't have kids, but I know if I did right now, I don't know everything <laughs> and uh, I'm raising them from the knowledge that I have, which is all my parents were able to do. Nice. And then, you know, family is broader than just parents. It's siblings, it's aunts, it's uncles. And eventually you reach a point in your life where just like everything else, you decide what serves you and what doesn't. And if there are relationships, regardless of whether or not they're family and they don't serve you, it's okay to walk away from them. It's okay to know what is appropriate in your life and what isn't. And redefining it and taking a break from it are all acceptable responses. You don't have to keep having this influx of toxicity if you don't want it. And it might just be a shift. It might be having a conversation saying, you know what, as I get older, I, I'm trying really hard to to check in with people in my life and, and set boundaries and know that this is what how I want people to treat me. This is how I want to be treated and how I like to show that I care, respect others. And having conversations with people about boundaries is a really good thing as an adult. And it's yeah. incredibly difficult because we were never really taught how to do it. Right. And so I outline a couple like sentence starters or conversation starters and a couple of examples. And then you guys can take it from there. But it's okay if you just can't have a person in your life anymore and you have to cut them out. You've probably done it with friends. It's okay to do it with family. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe that, you know, the talk that we give, because again, I've had multiple marriages. I have ex-spouses. I have children with my ex-spouses. Um, you change as a human being as time goes on. You're not the same person based on experiences and what have you. And just because at this point in time, this relationship did not work well, because communication was not there or there were so many differences that you just couldn't get past that based on the fact that you don't know how to communicate at that time in your life or you didn't know how to appropriately effectively communicate it doesn't mean that later on in life those relationships are 100 percent completely lost either there's right. still that possibility that even though 20 years ago in my old Pollyanna self, I was this person. And now I've grown into this other entity or being that makes me think, oh, you know, all of these people, which there's not a whole lot, like there's not a lot of people I can honestly say that are terrible enemies of mine at this point. Um, yeah. I, I think that I'm able to start thinking, what was the breakdown in those relationships and how can I make the next five or six better? Right. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's the climbing the ladder to success in relationships, life, love, mental health, whatever it is that you're doing, start on that bottom rung and, and work your way up. And if you slip, of course. you have, you have safety nets in place because you know that you need them. And your safety net may get a little bit bigger as you get a little bit further along in experience. Or you may not even need that. It could get that. smaller. Yeah, you may it, not even your need circle, it. Your circle of friends sort of tightens as you get older naturally because, you know, you went to a school that probably had hundreds of people in it. And yeah. so you've got your friends that are just around you all of the time. And then you graduate and that circle fades away and then you've got coworkers, and that circle fades away as people move on with their lives and then you settle down and have kids and the circle slowly gets smaller and smaller and that's natural and that's fine yeah. um but I love what you said like relationships can come and go just because a relationship has left your life doesn't mean it won't come back yeah. I think of it kind of like clothing like there are certain days where like I put on a shirt and I'm like nope that is not the shirt for me today and then I put it on a couple of weeks later and I'm like there we go now it fits right like that can be a relationship too where something might just not fit for who you are right now right. Right. and you're going to continue to grow we're expecting everybody else around us to grow into the people that we want them to be right. to become the person that's going to fit us perfectly but that's only true if you stay exactly the same right exactly. now 
You're but, not gonna. <laughs> no, you're not. And you know, I have a perfect example for this. When I was a senior in high school, we had sweatshirts made that said Lewis County class of 1991. Thank you. Ugh. And we all signed them. Right. And in my mind back then, I thought, you know what? I wear a medium. I better get an extra large in case I want to wear this later in my life. Right. <laughs> So I can still wear the shirt, but I'm not there anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I had the forethought to think I'm, I'm, I really want to wear this shirt when I'm 40 years old. <laughs> Do <laughs> you? Do it. you still wear it all the time? I have it. My daughter just wore it the other day. I know. That's it's- I do. It's so ridiculous. It's so old. And this is the year for my 30th reunion. Woo. Um. I feel like I I do that in the opposite way. Like, (laughs) like I will say things like I can't do that right now because, you know, like we say things like because we're not the people we think we're going to be. Right. I'm like, oh, you know, I can't date that person because I I need to lose 10 pounds or I can't get that job because I don't have the experience that I need yet. Well, I bought pants that are a size too small because... I don't have the body for that yet, but it doesn't mean I didn't buy them. Like, it's okay to to aspire for something and right, to right. think that you're going to grow into something in a better version of yourself. That's good. That means you're growing into a direction that you want. But also planning for the future in a realistic way is important, too. <laughs> but isn't it silly, the things that we think about? And and really, honestly, I you know, I, I consider myself extremely lucky. And the fact that I am a student of human nature after all these years of seeing people at their very worst um, and people, you know, in different, so many different situations, life threatening or non life threatening. I really love to hear people's stories about how they overcame something or how something changed for them. And now they have a different perspective and in your book, you talk about the best ways to break up. I won't say best ways. I don't know exactly. Let me think about, like, you know, the best ways to, to end a relationship. Um, and I really liked that. So can you kind of. maybe? Yeah, I talk about leaving for your own reasons. And you have a job where you have experienced vulnerability in people that probably not even the closest people in their lives get to see. Because you are dealing with them in a medical field, which is incredibly vulnerable. That's like the most vulnerable person can be. And people inherently struggle with vulnerability. It's the society we grew up in. And that's, you know, (laughs) just where we're at. But I talk about, I had the pressure of, I was in a relationship for almost nine years. And I thought I had to have the movie reasons to leave. Somebody cheated. Somebody was abusive. Somebody, you know, you have like the TV movie reasons that are socially acceptable of like, you broke up because, oh, somebody was horrible. I would have much rather it be him, right? Like, (laughs) you're like, well, I want us to to have this grand reason to leave. And it would be really great if he was the one that fucked up. (laughs) But I realized after a while, it's okay to just leave because you want to. No reason is fine. Just knowing that you aren't meant for this anymore, this isn't serving you anymore, is enough of a reason to leave. No reason at all. That's okay. If it's a gut feeling, it's okay to just know that if you start Googling reasons to break up, that's your reason. (laughs) (laughs) If you start looking for things and you're like, oh, I have to break up with him because he always leaves a cup in the sink before bed. Like, you're looking for reasons. That's your reason. Right. Right. And again, like we just said, it's not that you have to completely cut this person out of your life. Although sometimes it's a necessity to cut people out completely. You can always, and I know I'm such a, I think I'm odd in this fact because I don't know a whole lot of people let, that do this, but I'm pretty much for the most part friends with every person I've ever dated in my entire existence. True wow. story. Um, because I got a mixed bag there. Yeah, no, I I think (laughs) there's only one that I can think of right now that particularly that I, I hate to talk to ever, but I still have to. So it's a a thing, but I think it's a fresher thing, but no, I like, I have my, my high school boyfriend that when I was 15 years old, he still messages me to this day. I mean, (laughs) we were, we, we were friends for the longest of time. So 
you know, I love you to knew each other while you were growing into right, people. Right. And so we're not that same, you know, our conversations aren't, are you coming over? We'll go in the backyard, sit on a log and smoke cigarettes and, you know, chit chat and smooch a little, you know, it's not that kind of conversation anymore. It's more no, like, Hey, how are you? How's your family? I hope everything. It's a nostalgia. Well. It's sort yeah. of like looking into the past of being like, Oh, remember when I was a kid like it brings back that feeling of when you were a kid Absolutely. I do not talk to any high school boyfriends uh okay. or mo- I, I really don't talk to many of my exes because you know they were there for the moments right. that served me and yeah. they are part of my past and that has made me the person that I am yeah. but no I fully believe like the relationship ended for a reason and right. honoring that is the fastest way to sort of move forward Absolutely. because if I just stay friends with them, there's always going to be somewhere in the back of my brain being like, what did I do? Why did I end that? Like, because you start seeing them in a different way. Right. Well, it's- in 20 years, you might be like, oh, I'm going to hit this guy up because I just missed this conversation that we had or something will remind yeah. you. And you can do that and you can feel free to do that without guilt or any other um, terrible thing happening because it's just. Just a- because a relationship ends doesn't mean right. it was a failure at all. It, it was a successful relationship for the times that it was good yeah. and it ended when it was supposed to. Yeah. I love that. I, I'm so happy that I found you, Natasha. Because <laughs> I know. I'm so happy greatest. I found you, too. This is so great. So thank you for reaching out. Oh, you're so welcome. Tell me if you uh, like this is your five minutes of talking about everything included in this book. What would you find as the most the most poignant part for yourself? What do you think is that message that you wanted to get out more than anything? The message I wanted to get out is it's okay not to know everything and it's okay to ask questions. We stopped asking questions for some reason a long time ago. And there's probably a few reasons like you raised your hand in class and you asked a question and a kid laughed at you and you're like, okay, never doing that again. (laughs) Or like you Googled something and the answers were too overwhelming and you couldn't do it. So you just didn't, you just froze and we're like, never mind. I'm just not going to do that. And I wanted it to be a reignition of it's okay to ask questions. These are more jumping off points than they are solutions. There are definitely solutions. There's 98 solutions to problems, but it's probably going to get the wheels turning and it's going to start to illuminate other things that you might need answers for. So yes, it is four sections, career and money, relationship, mind, and life. And it's everything from taxes, 401ks, side hustles, negotiating bills, to falling in love, having the courage to fall in love, getting comfortable saying no, learning how to fight, getting your heart broken, calming anxiety, trusting change, and uh, knowing that time heals and you can put the past in the past, and knowing that you can settle for more and protecting your privacy online, and then just asking questions. It's just something that we all forgot to do. We all... Yeah. Somewhere in life, we were like, we reached an age where people stopped being like, ah, you're young. It's okay not to know everything. Right. And right. so people stopped giving us that excuse. So we pretended to know everything and we definitely don't. <laughs> it's okay not to know everything. Well, Natasha, your book is delightful and I cannot wait to give it as gifts. I'm telling you, where can people find you? Some more information about your book sales. Where, where can they do that? So the book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, and Google Playbooks. It's shit adults never taught us, and the Instagram is at shit adults never taught us. You can also email me shit adults never taught us at gmail.com. I love talking to people. Feel free to shoot an email if you've got a question or DM on Instagram. I check it like once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love talking to anybody that has questions and. I think the book is perfect for the people that just want a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance. And like I said, you can pick it up, put it down. It doesn't have to be a cover to cover kind of book. Mm -hmm. It's also great as a gift. If you're, it's not an offensive gift of like somebody, you know, needs a little bit of help. It's more just like, Hey, this book is funny. Here you go. And maybe it'll help you. Like I, I feel like when you give self-help books as a, as a, uh, as a gift, it's almost like when you hand somebody a mint, you're like, what, oh, yeah. is, what are you trying to say here? Your breath does not smell bad, but you need this whole package. <laughs> That's right. So let me ask you, um, before we get off here, do you think uh, there might be a sequel in the making later? 
Yeah, I think there might be. I I wanted to elaborate on a few chapters um, because the book itself is very for men, women, any Mm -hmm. age, and the deeper dives that I want to go into, the more personal, more vulnerable stuff, is very female-centric. So I want to make another one that's more shit adults never taught women. I love it. I love that. Step two. Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. It's such dynamic topics that you can just – you you'll you're going to be so successful i so love you you. it's been a pleasure speaking with you natasha and for all of those folks out there that don't know you can find me pollyanna amazing on twitter and on youtube at buried pleasures you can also find me at buriedpleasures.com and on instagram and facebook as pleasure pathways So again, it has been an absolute delight speaking with you today, Natasha. And I hope that you come back every time. I'm going to just bring you back (laughs) as a uh, content person. I love it. I love speaking with you. You've been a delight. And Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So everybody out there, have a great day. Bye. Bye. Water's up to my chin. Once I fight it. To the very